Welcome to the 33rd episode of Board in Trouble. I'm your host, John X. Fellas, everybody except for Rob, how you doing this evening? (laughs) (laughs) What's happening with you? What up, though? What up, though? And Rob, from parts unknown, Philadelphia, New Jersey, how are you doing today? Oh, Brooks, you didn't been uh, jinxed. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Looks yeah. like the man is trying to stop Brooks from talking right away. <laughs> oh, there's a little change of pace there. The jokey joke guy all of a sudden can't say anything. How do I take advantage of this situation? I'm going to wow. continue with my introduction from, from Akron. Home of people who are mad at Cat Williams, Williams, Mr. Reggie Reg, Reggie Wood. Good evening. Good evening. We're going to go, we got to circle back on that one. And of course, from Detroit, home of what used to be the most delicious city wing that you would ever find at 2896 West Grand Boulevard. You used to come get you some. But now waiting for our new location, Mr. Grant mm-hmm. Lancaster. What up, though? Yeah, we will we will return. Fear not. Uh fear not, fair maiden. We shall yes, return. We, we shall be back. Rob, you got your microphone issues taken care of there? What? Uh I don't know. You tell me, do I? Ah, yeah, you do. There he goes. That, right. that silky smooth voice. Mr. Robert Brooks. Gonna be like that today, huh, John? <laughs> what? What? I can't even listen, bro. It's tough being it's tough being your friend, man, because like yo, I'm trying to I'm trying to show you love, bro. Give you respect for your silky smooth voice and ways. And what do you do, man? You just attack me right away, bro. Right away. We're trying to get past heterosexual male violence on this show, Rob. You know I'm not in favor of it. You know I'm not in favor of it. Even with words, bro. Words matter. Words matter, especially coming after after coming uh, after Martin Luther King Jr. Day yesterday. Sing, sing, celebrate for the King. Celebrate, celebrate. That's right. For the King, celebrate. Y'all doing anything special on MLK Day? Supported black nah. business all day yesterday. Everything I bought, I bought from somebody black. Okay. Red, did you burn anything? Days. Did you burn anything down in a, in honor of Reverend King to give people an example of what Man, not to do? I think I fell short yesterday. You fell short yesterday? Yeah, I think I fell short. Why do you say that, bro? Uh, I didn't really, uh, I didn't make it out the house, man. I just uh, sat around with the wife. I'm just on 24-7 support right now. So uh, just trying to, yeah, just trying to, just trying to get through. 
You know, um, I was talking to friend of the show, someone who had been on the show before, the Honorable Judge Alonzo Jacobs this weekend. And we were chopping it up about some things. And he was actually on his way to, he had a ceremony over in Copaig at the AME Bethel. And he did a speech there. And I'm, unfortunately, I thought it was in the afternoon, so I didn't make it. But we were talking about his work as, before he actually became a judge, and all of the work that he used to do in the community and how he wishes he could do more now, but because he's sitting on the bench, he doesn't have the opportunity to do as much as he could. And I was just thinking about, and without someone like him, there's like a, a really big gap in activity that someone needs to fill. And when we say someone, could it be me? No, probably not. I'm not him. But don't you feel like, Reg, you basically said you didn't do too much. You feel there's like kind of like a malaise, sort of like a kind of like a undertone of meh now with the Martin Luther King Jr. holiday? Yeah, and it's it's been like that for a minute. And I had I used to work with a brother man that that did something and he was heavy in in, in his church and he went and did something. He went and at least did the walk every year. Uh, unfortunately, while in most years, Christmas can't get an ounce of snow or cold weather at this point, Martin Luther King Day is pretty consistent with snow and freezing temps. So mm. Uh, mm. I just... Perhaps the ancestors? Might be, might be. Um, I, I, need, I need to do better. I, I really do need to do better. Rob, what, did, what was your Martin Luther King Day like? Did you even give it a thought, honestly? Uh, yeah, barely. I gotta be honest, barely. I knew I had some had some dudes who had to go and do some, you know, do some stuff in the community, and that was cool. I got up and uh, yeah, around two o'clock, I threw in the towel and uh, smoked bong, and that was it. That was Made him it. proud. That's <laughs> kind that's kind of what I do with my day. Made him proud. Yeah. When Joe's you think about it, <laughs> you're free to free to smoke in New Jersey. Yeah. Hey, you know that that's an accomplishment considering the number of uh, people who have actually been incarcerated for that very thing. Absolutely. That very thing in their own homes. And selling that very thing in their own homes. It's a it's a really big thing. But I don't know. It's it just seems like there wasn't much of the only big things I saw that there was a um, Martin Luther King rally someplace, and Palestinian people decided to hijack it and basically push their pro-Palestine message. Do you find that disrespectful? In the spirit of Dr. King, a threat to justice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. They right. brought their message. They brought their message. It would be be very consistent with Dr. King. So, Reg, would you say that like uh, people were saying that that's disrespectful? Do you think they're like missing the message of Dr. King? Like Rob said. I mean, how did they hijack it? I mean, was that part of it civil, or was it some bum rush type stuff? And it was kind of they were yelling over. They were making calls for 
reparations, whether you believe it or not, in it or not, and it will also like uh, basically just celebrating the holiday. And some people felt like it was disrespectful for Palestinian people to come with their flags and their anti-Israel message. But that's the exact privilege that we used to holler at people about when we would protest, when we were trying to get our thing, we we're taking over lunch counters, whatever, people like this disrespectful, when really what it was was inconvenient for them. Mm. Well, and now we're in that privileged position. Like, what? Yeah, this is what? This is our day. Like, get them away from here. That's not our. No, this is the only way it's going to be. The only way their problem is going to get solved is for everybody to wake up and help shine a light on the fact that there's a problem there. Graham, go ahead. Go ahead. What were you going to say, Rich? So that probably just came down to down to who was organizing the event and how well versed they were in everything and kind of facilitating working in uh you know the concerns of that community and putting it out there like brooks just said get some enlightenment going they've been everywhere they've been i mean they overtook the king events they've been overtaking events all over the place man new york city every every type of public demonstration you can think of has been overrun by pro-palestinian demonstrators including Trump rallies Christmas stuff in Washington Square Park, you name it. Like that lobby is out there and trying to, oh yeah, because they have a legitimate threat of being eliminated from the face of the earth. Do you think that, I mean, there are other Arab countries that they can actually exist in. I don't know if, like, from the face of the earth. Well, here's the thing. From that part of the map. Well, just the same way that, you know, the Jews needed, wanted and needed their own homeland. Mm-hmm. We're talking about we returned them to a land that they, you believe the stories in the book, lived in a thousand years ago. Now you're talking about people who lived there five minutes ago for the last thousand years, putting them out of that. Like, don't they deserve their homeland too? Doesn't right. everybody deserve their homeland? Well, I mean, a thousand years. Can we? Can anyone go back after a thousand years and expect to be, you know? We're a country of immigrants, right? Well, well the, the UN thought whoever it was that put together in 1947 decided they were going to carve out the state of Israel, thought it was a good idea. All right, but we're, we're a country of immigrants. I've watched films and seen people that, you know, Irish people came over here and lived for two generations in the United States of America. They go back to Ireland. They're not considered Irish. They're considered Americans. Yeah. And so... Does that argument really ever has it? Does it really hold water? Aren't people consistently migrating around the globe from place to place? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and just speaking for us, like we're there is no there is no home for us. So, I mean, this and I, I mean that we can go back to America is just our deal. Yeah, yeah. This, is what, this is what we're left with. Hmm. Yeah, That's an in, interesting thought. Yeah, Go ahead. and it, in terms of the, in terms of the, uh, just to kind of circle back to the, to the holiday question, I wonder, like, how long, like, President's, uh, George Washington, George Washington's birthday or President's Day or whatever, there's a lot of holidays that come and go 
or you know quite a few holidays that just come and go with no fanfare how did those holidays get to be holidays that had no fanfare and i guess typically like columbus day you know is is mlk day just going to kind of be one of those type of days that yeah we acknowledge it and then we move on with the rest of what we do and then we get sheets for 25 percent off well, <laughs> right yeah, I mean, that, the further the further you get away from the event, this is natural. Like the scale of this can, applies to almost anything. Like the FDR goes on goes on the radio the next day and says, "A day that forever will forever live in infamy." For the most part, December eighth, December seventh goes by, nobody even thinks about. Oh, they they blew, they, mm-hmm. they blew up Pearl Harbor on this day, fifty some years ago, sixty some years ago. Nobody even thinks about it. Yeah. You know, nine eleven. Even 9-11 is becoming one of those things that you got to explain to some people now. Like, oh, yeah, this happened on 9-11. That's why they say this. For if you get away from it, just sort of smooths out. And another thing is, while Dr. King, lovely man, gave his life to try to help us achieve some some inch or foot of progress on this long road uh, that we've been enduring, but he didn't he didn't get, like, that big win He's a symbol of a right. struggle, but he didn't get. It's not like he got that big right. win. He never got to spike. The, he never got to spike the football at the end. Like we were still very much down in the game when he got taken out. Mm-hmm. Well, that's part of the holiday, and it's part of the um, integrationalist society in which we live in. Like we were talking about last week, just for example, and the fact that he has built his own modern comedy chitlin circuit is what i call it and people don't even know what you say when you say the chitlin circuit they don't have a reference or context for it but before the civil rights movement if you were an artist and you wanted to sing at different places you couldn't perform at the same places that the white artists were performing at it wasn't even like in most places where the black people would go on say wednesday and thursday and the white people had it the rest of the week. It was none of that mixing going on in these places. You had your own venues, you had all your star artists. So if you can imagine the biggest artist of the day coming to your town to perform. And now because of the fact, and it paid so well that this was one of the impetuses for segregation. Mm-hmm. So, so now they get all the money. I, I put up the thing, I don't know if I sent it to you guys, but it was showing the major media outlets that we have. Oh, here. yeah. Oh, and yeah. No black people are, are in charge of any of those outlets. So they get the money and they get the control. Mm-hmm. And the control is the most important thing. So the Chitlin Circuit doesn't exist anymore. And the people that you're actually looking up forward, looking up to are the ones that have the access to the people that are telling you that they are the top dogs. This is where we're at. You know, if we were up to I guess the best way to put it in a metaphor, if, um, if white America were choosing a quarterback for us, we'd have Dak, Dak Prescott. Wow. That's cold blooded. It's cold blooded. 
poor Dak's walking. He just he just fell to the ground. He doesn't even know why. <laughs> like he's got punched in the right. <laughs> What the fuck? You should feel that one. Wow. You can, be, you can be a bad quarterback in the NFL, but don't be a bad quarterback for the Cowboys because we're giant fans here. That's just the way it goes down. We will, and we're old school giant fans. So that means kidney punches and everything. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Yeah, that was, that was a that was an unsolicited attack, bro. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna flip the script to sports for a second because, like, you know, that's what we all did on MLK Day was watch TV. Millions of basketball games on. That was like mad fun. But Dak, man, they're talking about he's about to get another extension, a contract extension. Can Quarter- you say over my dead body? Quarterbacks are scarce, man. And, and say what you want. The defense gave up 30-some points. Yeah. And, and the defense is Dallas's signature. It ain't Dak ain't the signature. Yeah. The defense is the signature. Dak is the quarterback, no doubt. But I mean, you have an overpaid quarterback. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of overpaid quarterbacks in the league. What What are you What are you trying to say, Rob? Just saying, you know, while you're while you're attacking Dak, you know, take a look behind your center. Hey, look, I'm not looking behind my center. We're not (laughs) talking about me right now, Rob. (laughs) Reg, you got something to say about this? Because Rob, Rob pissed me off, man. Pissed me off, Rob. I was a little, um, I was a little in the in the in the Rex Ryan camp. You know, a championship team. You don't have this division. You know, as as soon as things go bad, the finger pointing and all of that. And it was like easy to just throw it on Dak, but they were down fourteen nothing. And if you're a championship team, you just you hold it down until your defense, I mean, until your offense gets going, or, or vice versa. And once they got down, even when so when they did rally the troops and come back, the defense still didn't get a stop. They scored on right. six. They scored on six or seven possessions. So yeah. they never, even when he did get it going, the defense never went out there and did anything to get a stop and let them try to really close the gap and maybe do the onside kick or whatever, they, they never showed up. They got See, pushed I, around all day. I love that analysis, Reg, because you talk about that, you talk about the Cowboys as if they don't actually like wear skirts. We're Giant fans, <laughs> I'm a Giant fan here, right? So if you're talking about a normal football team that isn't going to fold like a blanket Every time things get a little bit tough, then it makes sense. But really, I, I really wish that Ming were here today. I really do wish that Ming were here today. Because so I need to be I, shady. Yes, yes, Rob. <laughs> so I can be shady. <laughs> exactly. Dak. Dak is. Dak is an average NFL quarterback. Maybe slightly above average. But, I mean, he's an average NFL quarterback, man. I mean, most of these quarterbacks are just, like, mediocre. I mean, they go if the talent is there on the team, then they can win. Every now and, you know, out of 32 teams, 
you got five that are above the rest you got five that are probably below the rest and then the other 22 they're interchangeable on any given week on any given week they could he could be number six or he could be number 27. Hmm. you know what i mean like in in the rankings it did there's just no consistency and that's what makes that's what makes the great quarterbacks the great quarterbacks is that they are much more consistent than the rest of the quarterbacks out there and i mean like i say you only have like five so unfortunately well, for Dak, or three well i mean i can honestly say that watching the cowboys play once a year during the playoffs has kind of been my highlight of my football season for the past couple of years because if i can't win watching the cowboys get the hell beat out of them that's consolation enough so yeah. big shout well, you out got, to you Dallas. got a, you got a double dose because philly philly took an ass beat too oh they were they were awful yesterday they didn't even show yeah. up that's hard yeah center cried said he's leaving that well, was gonna yeah, so it, it was time so basically so the nfce sucks yeah well look if jason kelsey takes a job as taylor swift's head of security it's all good for him he, yeah he he said he's out right yeah he's he said he's done mm -hmm. he's done that was kind of sad seeing them fall down. I, I I normally hate Philly, but they got my boy from Bama playing quarterback. So mm. it's tough to hate him as much. I still hate him. He's looked he looked awful the last couple I of feel, weeks. I, I feel I, like I he has a right. an injury coming through. Yeah, there's gonna be an injury report yeah. coming through soon, I feel like. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah I feel like he, hasn't been right. he hasn't been right in, in quite a few weeks. Yeah. So yeah, so. That was Martin Luther King Jr. Day. But he he's he's one of the he's one of the twenty-two though. Let make no mistake about it. Jalen Hurst is one of the twenty-two. He's not one he's not no, he's not one of the top five. He's one of the twenty-two in the middle. Mm. So he's a he dude who can look six. like an absolute stud yeah, for right. two weeks and then be less than mediocre. Absolutely. And he's been less than mediocre. So it's tough in Philly people, right now. What's the know, feeling? Of, go ahead. People kind of overlook, though, them losing both of their coordinators. And the offense just really didn't. I mean, the, the defense neither down the stretch. But that's the thing. These these coaching staffs, uh, offensive coordinator, he can do it like one year, maybe two. And then he getting a head coach spot somewhere. And maybe uh, maybe some of these guys could stay in the uh, in the oven another two seasons or whatever, and 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 really cement themselves and and get all that extra seasoning to learn how to run a whole show. And it's like to think that that head coach where the the coordinators left, to think that it's just next man up in the coaching staff. It, it may not be capable guys out there that can really fill those positions that quickly. But I mean, that's, that's what those great coaches do, though. You understand that if you have a winning system, you're going to lose guys. And how you replace them and keep your, that's what the head coach has to be, have a firm hand. Like, hey, look, this is my system. You're going to put your, your touch on my system. But we got a way that we do things around here. 
to keep some consistency, even though you will have those transitions because of your success. Is Sirianni, but Sirianni is a defensive guy, right? I don't know what he is. Yeah, they, I mean, neither. They, really. they, 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 he, he's one of he's one of these new hybrids new, or something. These new these new analytics based coaches like he's okay. yeah. You know, Which, I, I'm just saying I have, they fired their defensive coordinator like four weeks ago. They didn't fire him. They demoted him. Which right. is, you know, which is awful. Hey, we're not gonna fire you, but we're gonna watch you stand. We're gonna make you stand here every week and watch somebody else <laughs> run this thing because we think you can. Right. You don't run the right. you don't run the meetings anymore. <laughs> exactly, but you can still commend them. Oh, thanks. But I'm saying I think uh, the I think the offensive head coach mm-hmm. he might be able to lose a couple of offensive coordinators because he can still he's still doing the game planning and the scheming and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So he might be able to function a little bit better. But a defensive head coach once your once your OC is gone. It's really hard for that guy to be effective in that in getting things done over there. He just really at the whim of the next guy that he promotes or the next guy that he gets into that slot who may not get that same uh production that the guy that went and got the head coach got. Choose wisely. Well, here's right. here's here's the thing, Reg, right? And and guys, like when you talk about like you said, Rob, you said it, Sirianni, analytics space guy. These analytics-based guys are taking over all across the board in sports. And no matter what's happening with their analytics and what their boards are telling them, it's still coming down to who's got the most fantastic dynamic player that year that's willing to make the plays. So they're all kind of using these analytics. The way I look at it is it's like another crutch. It's if you can get away with it, it's like the white privilege of sports is being an analytics guy. That's really what analytics is. It's the white privilege of sports. An- analytics. You can is be black. Ass of sports. No, you can be black and use analytics. What I'm saying, it is that is what it is, essentially, because it's a system or a thought process. That's based upon, okay, this guy gets 700 yards. This guy gets 800 yards. Let's put them all together on a team, and they're going to they're gonna produce, and we're going to have this many slot receivers, this many wideouts, and this guy is going to go for this. But it doesn't tell you anything about the player himself. No. So you've the, got guys the, that are building analytic teams, but not basically based upon who the guy is. But analytics gives them that second backup, like, you're betting on humans. You're selecting humans. And humans don't always do, don't always behave as advertised. In theory, over the long, you know, you, you have a long enough career, you are the back of your card. You no, know? I get that. You're with a lot of people who don't have a card yet. And so how do you defend your choices? Analytics gives them another way to defend their choices so that when it goes badly, they can say, well, it should have worked because X, because these numbers say this should have worked. This plus this should have equaled that. Should have given us fifteen hundred yard runner. This should have this should have solidified our defense. His metrics plus his metrics should have equal solidified defense. It's just another way to cover their ass. That's really what it is. Instead of saying, "Oh, I felt something. I had a gut feeling about it." No, you can't do that anymore. You got to have your PowerPoint. You got to be able to make the math stand up. Exactly my point. It's the white privilege of sports, because if you don't hire the black guy, then you don't ruffle any feathers. And you get to keep your job. 
You don't go outside and hire the wild card. You do things exactly as they've always been done. And then if the system fails, well, you can blame the system. I agree with the analytics. I always thought that analytics was a very important part. It's a good piece to actually build the team. But when it went from being second to first, that's when it becomes privilege. When it becomes quote unquote privilege. I'm not saying that it's actually white privilege, but somebody, but you know what I mean though, in this context. But well, it was a bar. How, yeah, yeah, it's a bar. Right. Yeah, and the bar you, had a, you had a bar tonight. Now I'm saying yeah. you had a bar with that. With that yeah, no, no, because that, that it is essentially what it is. No, but I, I say that because people they they listen to these shows and they pull these snippets and they're gonna say, liberal guy says that. It's white privilege now for analytics because they're not giving context to everything. So, you know, you have right. to always even go back and just make sure that people understand that you're not saying that it's white privilege. Right, it's just right. analytics. You but know, that, analytics so, is the white privilege for GMs. Let me let Same me concept. let me let me throw this at you. I, in my opinion, and yeah, I mean, y'all know I, I watch a lot of football, do a lot of stuff with it. Analytics is gambling probabilities. That's all it is. It's just another word for it. So they, you can spin it any way that you want to. But all of this talk about analytics, none of this came about until FanDuel, DraftKings, all of these sports books really started getting into uh, like the mainstream of America and the NFL and all these league started getting in bed with them and then all of a sudden the word analytics popped up analytics was never a thing you don't hear them talking about analytics with D'Amico Ryan no D'Amico Ryan's is is a football player who understands the way that the game is played right and he runs his team I mean I'm sure that there's always some level of probability that you have to consider right in 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 any sport but when you run your team, so just to give an example, a couple of weeks ago, the, the Lions were playing Minnesota. Well, I think it was Minnesota. And they went for it on, like, they, they were going for the two-point conversion. They got a penalty on the first one, got back. They scored. They didn't get the first one, got backed up on a penalty. They went back to the seven-yard line and tried it again. There was another penalty. And then they tried it again, and they didn't get it. So that was not, that wasn't analytics. That was just you as the head coach saying, hey, this is the gamble that I'm going to take. Right? Mm-hmm. Because that Minnesota at, or Dallas. Was that the Dallas? I can't, it could have been the, Dallas. That was the Dallas ending with the okay. botched, with the botched, uh, right, right, right. Eligibility, eligible receiver. Right. Yeah. The eligibility yeah. joint. But that's what I'm saying. This is just him. That's just him having a gut feeling like a gambler does and then justifying it by saying, hey, these were the analytics. No, there were no analytics there, my man. This was just you having a gut feeling saying, hey, let it ride, baby. And you let it ride and you lost. <laughs> right? So then you so you to come up with a number to so, cover your ass. Right. So then, you, so then you come up with a word analytics and you say hey well the analytics said this nah my man i saw what happened 
you were you was tilting. You was on tilt. I think most of your I think most of your defensive coaches don't lean on the analytics. And a lot of these Matt LaFleur, Sean McVay guys, the offensive geniuses who get branded as being such, they tend to lean on that analytics stuff. But just like you said, the most of your defensive guys are like, just give me guys who can block, run, and tackle. Yeah, you know, we'll right. start, we'll figure out how to stop it. I thought analytics was more was more geared towards baseball because of the specialization of that sport, which right. Brooks might agree to that. But basketball and football, I'm not trying to hear that analytics stuff. Well, then that's they still use it. Yeah, they are. I mean, there there's always some level of probability, you know what I mean? And predictability based off of that probability. But I mean, it's still fifty-one forty-nine. It they use the word analytics like it's a ninety ten, <laughs> but it ain't a ninety ten. Yeah. It's a fifty-one forty-nine, my man. Mm-hmm. But they but listen, because they listen, people who don't do things are always trying to figure out ways to take credit from people that actually do do things. So yeah, said, that's what analytics is, huh? You said doo doo. <laughs> there you go. I uh, thought it was true. Sure. Sure. Yeah, do actually do things. Do you actually do. You still get the doo doo in me. So now, when you, now I'm working at Now you got me songwriting. <laughs> No, but that's what really analytics is. Like I see this guy, like that was the thing. I saw this. I was in a Giants group, and the guy was talking about Brian Dayball and Josh Allen. And their big thing is that he created Josh Allen, so he should get all the chances in the world. And I'm like, yeah, Josh Allen didn't have anything to do with that. You know, this guy, I mean, he put on like a historic performance. I wonder if he called Dayball before he went out there last week, his former coach, to make sure that things were still on point for him. You know, it's like, come on, B. You, we are a society that takes credit for everything. That's what everything. That's what we're facing. That's what we're facing. That's what we're up against. We can tell. We can do these shows about everything and every topic, any and every topic, and. What we're actually doing is we're recording history that they're going to replace, that people are actively replacing. And it seems to me like this has always been the way. This is what history is. History is written by plagiarists. Where's the original? But history is essentially written by plagiarists. True. Well, it's written by the victors. So it's, it's a skewed view. And plagiarist. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, every, oh, absolutely. Particularly listen, in America. Listen, even if they're not winning, even if not they're not winning, um, the Romans stole from the Greeks, and the Greeks stole from the Ethiopians. Land the Kush. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. everyone steals. It's the same thing. Palestine stole the Palestinians, took that land from the sub-Saharan Africans and Push them out. And now 
the Europeans, the Jews, are pushing them out. This is the way the world rolls. It's let's, what let's happens. Go, let's, let's let's go back to that plagiarism plagiarism for a minute. Because you y'all y'all had these New York ties. You in New York? What's the deal with Stephen A. Smith's high school basketball? What's the truth there? The truth is whatever story you want to, whichever story sounds best. That's but it I, to me. But I, I just, mean, I just assumed all this time that this brother could was a was a was a high school that he did some damage in high school, and now that doesn't sound like that was the case. No, he was a member of a basketball team, so it sounds like Rob knows more about Stephen A. But I don't think that Rob really wants to get into that. <laughs> Into that. Now that I'm thinking about that, sorry about that, Mr. Brooks. That's but, right, bro. Um, and that was that one was actually sincere. Some of my sorrows <laughs> aren't always sincere. That one was actually sincere. But um, did I thought he had a? Didn't he get a scholarship to play ball? He played at a black. He played at a black college. But the story that he's telling is that he went on a tryout, and the coach told him to shoot, and he went out there and he shot like. Doing a shooting drill, he shot like 36 threes in a row. He said he never did it before, never did it after. And he just like blacked out. And that's how he ended up getting a scholarship out of from an open tryout. He said he is he said he hit 17 straight threes against seven, the starters. Oh, okay. Against this against the starters of Winston, Winston Salem State. Winston Salem State. And it's just like I wasn't, I was a good shooter except for in the game and with a coach. <laughs> <laughs> I just, because you weren't allowed to, you weren't, you weren't allowed to miss. <laughs> but in the summer league, in the summer league, I was a monster when, when my coach was not there. But I'm just saying, I might have hit five, maybe six threes in a row a couple of times. 17, that's a different kind of shooter. And Stephen A is just, he doesn't strike me as that type of shooter. And after I started hearing a lot of these details, I went back and thought about it. I've never even seen Stephen A. Smith handle a basketball or pick up a basketball or... or, or Jason Williams. I've, I, I've seen him clown around with the basketball once or twice, and he looks like he looks like a low division one guard. Not, I'm saying handling the ball. In other words, like not imposing. Bring it down to the wreck. I'm going to show you something. You hear what I'm saying? Take you to the, take you through it, grind you down. But um, nah. He he he. I mean, look, is it possible for anyone to do that? Rob, I've seen you. I saw you in the tournament, and you were a terrible basketball player. And you, like, stopped the shit out of the ball in the tournament one time. Yo, Did you not, everybody, Rob? Keep, everybody can get hot on a day or two, man. That's all it takes. Yeah. Fuck that day. I was surprised. I was... Every once in a while, though. man, I could get up in the air. I could cook some dudes. But, you know, yeah. I get cooked, too, just as easily. Yeah. Chicken, but um, oh, chicken. Look, 
let me just say this. There, there's a lot of people that uh, talk about sports that probably didn't play the game. Mm-hmm. And it don't matter to me. So Stephen A. Smith, whatever he did, I mean, he he talk about basketball. Okay, cool. You can watch enough basketball to learn how to talk about it, whether he yeah. played or not, and whether he was any good or not. I mean, I you know, did all yeah, all I mean, these I, shows. Know, what's what's the uh, what's the dude that was what's the dude that was with Sterling Sharp? That was with Shannon Sharp, the white boy. What's his name? Skip oh, Bayless. dude from Texas, Skip Bayless. Yeah, Skip Bayless. I'm not. Ain't nobody checking for Skip Bayless's pedigree on whether he plays sports or not. Well, the, play, the players check him every now and then when he gets too reckless. But I've seen a couple admit, of cats check him. We got to admit that Stephen A. has like become the authority, though he's become all, all caps the authority of basketball. And it's in just, his own mind, is he? In his own is mind. He? That's how he markets himself. Well, look, Howard Purcell was once the like preeminent voice of boxing, you know, and, and I'm football. pretty sure he didn't fight anybody. Yeah, I, I mean, I, look, I, I'll, I'll say this. to insert yourself now, where it's almost weekly now, some player is responding directly to him. And you keep inserting yourself as a major storyline to the NBA every week. That's that's awkward to me. But that, that's that's because that's because people tune in, though. That's because people tune in. I mean, it's social media. You know what I mean? Like, like anybody that's looking for NBA analysis is probably going to whatever the show is called with Kenny Smith. Charles Barkley, you know what I mean? Like that inside the to NBA. me, that's yeah, inside the NBA. That show to me is a better analytical show because the players are actually telling you what happened. Right? I don't care what Stephen A. Smith had to say. Stephen A. Smith is just entertaining because you know he got the George Jefferson hairline. I mean, he he's just entertaining to listen to. He gonna say some crazy opinions right. sometimes. You know, he's gonna walk out there with some water. Half the time he's just like I I gotta take the opposite of what you take it. Right. Because that's how you make good TV. So whatever position the other person on the panel's taking, I I got the opposite. Don't worry about it. You know, don't worry about me. Because that's I think why he winds up there on the edge so many times. He don't really even believe in it. He just, you know, where's the line? Let me just get up, let me nestle up to it, see what's going on. Plus, there's too much now on the show, there's way too much crosstalk, whatever, with Molly. Like, there's way too many weird conversations in Bali. I don't know what's going on there, but I'm surprised ESPN HR hadn't stepped in and, and squashed it. <laughs> well, listen, if they do, does that turn it into a menage? Anyway. Uh, <laughs> listen, I don't think there's, like, honestly, like, I could make a joke like that, but honest, but really, I don't think there's anything wrong with that if they are. That's what you were supposed to do at work. You go to work. Sometimes you do work. Sometimes you go to lunch and you bang yeah, one of your coworkers. Yeah, you got to work. You know, that's a healthy work environment. That's what America used to be built upon. Yeah. That's apple pie, baby. <laughs> apple I'm pie. Sure, I'm, sure, I'm sure there's a lot of people who are nodding along with you going, Molly Karam, yes, apple pie. Mm. Mm. Apple pie. Mm. But... 
um, you know, there's, I'm just there's just so much, so, so much of that is wrong. So much of that is wrong. But is it? I mean, it's wrong to talk about it. Like, let's let's be honest. I'm being crass because I'm on the show right now and I'm just talking. Mm-hmm. I'm just like making conversation. But is it? How wrong is it really? You know what I'm saying? Like, like whatever, it, what, whatever, whatever it is. Like, they need to get it out. There's all these weird conversations that happen, and all the shade gets thrown. Like, whatever it is, they just need to establish and get it out there and move on. Yeah. Well, the workplace is. The workplace for a lot of people is it's fraught with peril. It's fraught with peril. peril. It's not. It's it's not what you're. It's not. Well, it's not where you're going for. It's not where you're supposed to be going for social excitement. It's where you're supposed to be going to earn a living. All right. Well, I mean, that's the truth. But we're talking about. So this is going to be like this is going to be reality versus how we would like it to be. Well, okay. So So I'll give you the perfect reality versus the way it's supposed to be, from my real life. All right. You give me yours, and I'll give you mine. I work with sideline reporters. If you're a sideline reporter and you're dating somebody on the team that you're covering, you get demoted. You got to get out of there because obviously you can't cover the team objectively. So you pick these women who all look like, you know, Sports Illustrated uh, swimsuit models. You put them on TV and you put them in a room with 25 high-played virile athletes. At some point, somebody's going to break through. It's inevitable. Like, how many times can they say no? Right. Well, and every time it happens, the woman gets demoted. When they talk about her like she did something wrong. Like, in some ways, the system set up a failure, boys. Like, that's nature. what it is. It's nature. Yeah. And, and, and I would agree with you that she should not be demoted. It it could be I could see the potential problem, but you could mitigate the problem. You could tell you could be upfront with it and just keep it pushing. And I'm sure that's what they did for many, many years before we got into this new thing that we're doing right now. But here's what I'm gonna say. You use one of your workplaces. I'm just using a general workplace. Did you know that they did a report where 70% of women who are either engaged in a relationship or already married have a backup plan. Did you hear that? They either have a boyfriend on the side or they have a backup plan. Hold up now. Yeah. I got to step away for five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, Reg. <laughs> say nothing, Reg. You can sit there. Let's get, to a, let's get to a commercial break. I, I got to go verify some stuff. No, but this was the, they were saying that they made a point of this because women are always prepared. They're always prepared. They're always looking for another. And I I was listening to on Wisdom, they had to talk about, um, today they had to talk about relationships and men putting women, you know, having extra women on the side. And in the meantime, 70%, 70% of women are already doing it. Which comes down to the old adage: If the guy is fucking somebody, who, the guy is fucking outside of his marriage, he must be fucking somebody. Seventy percent of women—that's kind of crazy. Absolutely. That's that's the culture in America, though. Cheating is cheating is like part of the culture now. Cheating is so yeah. much part of the culture that there's finance, baby. That we've got finance involved because the other side of that. 
And the bad part of that is that when you're doing, when you're going through all those things, now you have a relationship inside of your office. You got a relationship with one of the broadcasters. One of them leaves the relationship isn't feeling so good. They want to sue. So now we've crossed the personal and now we're into the legal. And the legal has a whole, they've got a whole toolbox set up for people that are ready to sue based upon having an extramarital relationship outside of their outside of their home and in their workplace. And sure, I'm sure a lot of times there is a power dynamic involved, but isn't it true that a lot of times it's just that these women are bored? You know, Reggie? bored? No, wait, I want to hear from Reg. Hey, but you, you know, when you look at the hours that they spend together, uh, then when they do the, the traveling to go do the show for a weekend or whatever on remote, uh, and then you got the fact that you have people who have to take care of themselves because they're on TV, and then they're always dressing, they're usually dressing their best. Like Mr. Brooks said, man, I mean, it's 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 uh the the, the likelihood or, or or like city wing king said the predictability is there what's uh, right <laughs> the ball is getting the ball is getting spiked at some point and you know what reg i didn't really mean for you to answer that but that's okay though i'm glad you're a trooper bro i was really just fucking with you you ain't really had to answer go ahead yeah I, I don't think they're looking for i don't think it's that way i mean i think for a large part of for the larger part of history the power dynamic was the bigger part of thinking the power dynamic is always present even in that for the folks who don't feel empowered to speak up because who do you when when you think it's going bad who do you talk to because hr is not there to protect you they're there to protect the company so when well, you get yourself into that type of mess but in sex you're in sex there's always some type of a power dynamic one way or the other just because the uh Man, let's just like let's just break it down. Just because of the man may be above the woman. What if the man is above the woman and he wants to bang the woman, but he can't really satisfy that woman? So now that power dynamic, once they go to bed, that power dynamic is kind of flipped to a well, certain no, extent. No, 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 because it all depends. The power dynamic could be, even though he can't satisfy this woman, she can't say anything about that because she's probably like most Americans just a couple paychecks away from being homeless. So she ain't mm-hmm. saying nothing that's up that, that, that's distracting this disrupt possibly disrupting that paycheck. Mm-hmm. I guess I could see that. You know, and that's but how I mean, most people get into trouble in the power dynamic. It's like, yo, I'm not saying anything that, that could possibly affect how I eat, impact how I eat. All right, just humor me for a second though. We're humans, right? Yeah. So is it possible without there actually being any leverage? there's still leverage in the dynamic between a man and a woman in a bedroom situation. Isn't there always one person that's more the alpha in the bedroom, whether it be the man or the woman? I don't, I don't think any situation is never even there's always somebody benefiting more, somebody giving more it, it. Like it's inevitable. Now there's an ebb and flow to it. Sometimes it could be him. Sometimes it could be hurt. 
Right. But it's never just even. But I don't even think that that's really what the issue is. I think the issue more so in, in terms of all of this infidelity in relationships is that nobody is willing to just have the 80. You know what I mean? Like, so the eight, the 80, 20 rule, right? The 80, 20 rule in relationships, basically people, somebody give you 80% of what you need, but 20% is going to be missing. But if you got 80%, you got the lion's share, right? But you don't give up the 80 to get to 20. But right. And that's typically what people do. Yeah. That's typically what people do. That's what the BDLs are about. Right. But what I'm saying is if the infidelity is about the 20, they don't want to lose the 80. You see what I'm saying? So they're trying to gain that 20 too. They want to have their cake and eat it too. If you want to call it a backup plan or whatever you want to call it, right? They don't want to lose the 80. But if he ain't, you know, if he ain't stirring it up like motherfucking coffee and I need somebody to stir it up like motherfucking coffee, then I need to go find Big Dick Buster over there. Minus 20. Right. Yeah. To get that. Well, well, can we be honest? Isn't the dynamic between the 80 and the 20? Even now, like the 80 is losing its luster for a lot of people. Coupling has lost a lot of its luster. Well, I mean, everybody, everybody's faced with a constant barrage of alternatives. That's what the, the apps have done. They've gamified dating. And so now mm-hmm. even the most average dude on the planet has seemingly an unending source of options. He can just keep swiping, keep swiping, keep swiping, and there'll be another one. So there's always another one. And there's always the chance that there's somebody cuter or hotter mm-hmm. for the next one. Or somebody that'll choose them. So they're getting rid of oh. Robin again. Oh, see, look out. That's because Rob, Rob picks on me so much whenever it happens to me. <laughs> that it, that wow. The universe is throwing it back to Rob. But I hear what he's, but I hear what he's saying. I'm yeah. just thinking that just that the, just though the actual act of having sex can cause a transfer of power between two individuals. And that often does happen. And I'm sure it happens more than, you know, you want it, than people like well, would expect. I'm, it. I'm sure some of those, I'm sure some of those CEOs will tell you that, you know, they got that underling and, you know, they got with that underling and they meant for it to be a one-time thing, but their nose got caught wide open. That's that transference of power that you're talking about. Right. And now, but now as much as he knows that he shouldn't be, he's now buying her little stuff to keep her on the hook. Because he don't want her to walk away. He can't have it all for his own, but he don't want her to walk away. So now he's got to get a little something, something, you know, to show his love and appreciation because he couldn't be there on Friday night and Saturday night. So, I mean, that that power transference happens, but it's a completely different, like, you know, there's certain types of power dynamics that you can't ignore when walking into those rooms. And there, there are other power dynamics that are just part of the human condition. Right. So listen, any, um, I think we're getting close to the time there. I actually messed up today. I don't have a timer. So uh, it just so happens that I know forty-two is the number. Forty-two is the number. Yeah, you didn't close enough to fifty. Oh wow, that's actually perfect. That's good. <laughs> that's good. Is it there though? 
a chance in, uh, the, every year. Go ahead. in the in the TV game, isn't there a chance of messing up your show by letting and I, I you know we can assume that it happens, but say it does get blown up because it comes to light or whatever, and now you gotta shuffle around the lineup on the show. And then you got a public out here like, well, ever since Shorty got, you know, ever since they switched her out, I don't watch it no more. ABC just went through that like a year ago with, with TJ. Uh, TJ and uh, Amy. I forget what her name is. Amy. Amy yeah. She, Amy. Yeah. First time I saw on TV, I was like, oh, she kryptonized. <laughs> I, realized, I realized she was kryptonite for the dude sitting next to her. But you can see she had that look on TV like, oh, she takes somebody down, mm. you know, and sure enough, word got out that they had an affair. ABC had to fire them both because they couldn't get the public to talk about anything else. They were both married, you know. All of a sudden, it was hard for them to talk about the news because all anybody wanted to talk about was what they were doing to their, you know, to their respective spouses. So they both well, had her, to go out the door. Her mess up was that also that her ex-husband was a former American heartthrob from Melrose Place. And the gossiping women that graduated from watching soap operas in the daytime to soap operas in the nighttime that are now older crows and maids were not happy with her cheating on him. And he basically played it that way too. So she couldn't win. She made the mistake. She made the mistake of actually nailing that guy when she should have probably nailed a different that guy, someone who wasn't him. You know, but hey, you learn. That was crystal clear. All right, thank you. (laughs) I pride myself on that clarity. Yeah, I'm glad that I almost, I was like, I'm glad we had a nice light conversation today because it was a heavy week with a lot of stuff going on. I didn't really want to get too deep and dig into anybody's ass today, to tell you the truth. So I'm glad. Last week was a was an excellent show. I have to say, gentlemen, I got to give y'all round of applause on that one. I wish that you had been here, Reggie, because you would have actually you would have probably liked that show too. Um, it's but, in the queue. It's in the queue for tomorrow while I'm at my desk. Yeah, we have we you know we. We can't always be heavy. We can't always like be, you know, just just be at everything. It's interesting enough that I was gonna make jokes about Trump winning Iowa, but who really cares? <laughs> well, my my whole thing about that is all 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 you read about this morning was you know how he absolutely mopped the competition, blah blah blah. You know how many people voted in that? Uh, how many? Five percent of the eligible voters in Iowa participated. Wow. So yeah, it was a blowout, but five percent of the people showed up. Now, considering some of those are Democrats, so they're not going to participate in that process. But that is damning with faint praise. That's almost like saying, it's almost like writing in none of the above. Oh, right. Oh, Bruce. Yeah, all we got to hear about is that he wiped the competition, what a blowout it was, what a commanding victory. You know. Well, I mean, that's essentially the state that this country is in. 
I think when I say that I'm not happy with the choices, I think that mirrors a lot of American people right now. And we have a right to be mad at everybody. Because if you really wanted, if you really were considering not voting for Joe Biden, Republicans ain't fucking helping by putting that Donald Trump. You know what I'm saying? You're just going to get the same thing. They're going to walk around for four more years. Oh, they stole it again. No, it's not so much. Oh, you guys. Oh, there it is. Somebody took the over. <laughs> yep. Damn, they made it through a show, too. It's amazing. <laughs> the ghost of Molly Kiram. <laughs> what? Did, y'all, did I cut out again? Y'all hear yes, me yes, again? Sir. Did y'all hear me? What part did I end at? That... Oh, it was a long time ago. I mean, wow. There was so much laughter in between that I have no idea where you ended. <laughs> I don't remember where you were at. <laughs> there was a good 30 seconds of it. That's the powers that be. The powers that be. The powers that they be. Don't want pe- they don't want people want me telling the truth, which is that people don't vote for Biden. They vote against Trump. And just oh, that was the last them. thing you said, that, that the people who are considering voting against Trump against Biden, the Republicans putting up Trump, they ain't doing us any favors. <clears throat> no, they're not. They're not, they're not giving you any choices. Give me a crazy-ass motherfucker. Same thing with the Democrats. So it looks like it's going to be four more years. Go Biden. Will he survive? Nah, he's going to die. He's gonna, he's going to, he's not going to make it through. He's not. They're gonna have to shoot him up with so much adrenaline just to get on the just to get on the campaign trail. They they may have to cryogenically freeze him like they did Dick Clark all those years. Vote for me again. I'm going into cry I'm going into my cryogenic sleep. Wake me wow. up on election night. That type shit. And I'd still vote for him. If that's the only choice. Well I'd still vote for him. I mean it's it's all it's it's been the the, the choice of the lesser evil for quite quite a few years. Oh. So you know this is it's no terrible. different. If it turns out to be Trump Biden, it that's it's no different. Well, we all know it's not gonna be Trump action. Born in trouble. Thirty-second episode. Thirty-third. I thought you said, but I think it's thirty-three. I think I missed thirty-two. Promise there'd be no math. Yeah, thirty-three. I think it's thirty-three too. Thirty-three. That's good. And I'd like to thank you, gentlemen, for showing up tonight, Grant Lancaster. Yes, sir. Mr. Robert Brooks. Yes, John X. Listen, it's good that if this is the 33rd episode, you remember I used to wear number 34 in basketball. So that's always the best episode of the season, the 34th episode. So next week, we got, we got, we basically, we can't go anywhere but up. I mean, that means we got to get Hop on here too. Got to get Hop on here, man. Yeah. Shout out Gene Hopkins. Shout out to Gene. 
Mm-hmm. I'm gonna yeah. give the brother a call tomorrow and see what's going on. Yeah, I we uh we text while while I was at the Lions game uh on Sunday. Okay. He he texted me. He texted me. He was like, uh, "Are you still not a believer?" I was like, <laughs> "I was like, I'm from Missouri. The show I'm, I'm from Missouri, so you got to show me." But I'm at the game. All right, all right, Grant. Maybe soon you can go out and get yourself a Lions jersey and wear it proudly. Uh, if it's Barry Sanders, then yes. There you go. Big, big respect to Barry Sanders, the man who retired before he was definitely going to be number one on that list. But mm-hmm. was just like, I don't want my name, and I'll be the greatest loser ever. Respect to that, bro. Yeah, Barry, Barry didn't care about that kind of stuff. Did not. So listen, fellas, Born in Trouble, 33rd episode. Peace. Peace. Bye, John.